Hi, this is Liz Nord, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. My guests on today's show had both a documentary and a narrative feature premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival this year. But that's not even the most unique and impressive things about them. In one of the most amazing behind-the-scenes production stories I've ever heard, the team shot both films in an active maximum security prison. Their documentary is co-directed by 13 incarcerated men, and the feature was cast with more than 90% real inmates as extras and even as one of the leads. One of the films is OG, a scripted narrative starring Jeffrey Wright of Westworld fame as a prisoner about to go on parole after spending his entire adult life inside and his kind of big brother relationship with a young inmate called Beecher, who's played by an actual inmate in the prison where they shot. The other film is It's a Hard Truth, Ain't It? A partially animated documentary about the real lives of several lifelong prisoners and the events that landed them in jail in the first place. The team here to talk about how they pulled off these incredible feats of nimble production are Emmy-winning director Madeline Sackler, cinematographer Wolfgang Held, who's a very experienced shooter known mostly for his high-profile documentaries like Walter Murch's Particle Fever and Liz Garbus's The Fourth Estate, and Boyd Holbrook, who you might know as an actor with leading roles in Narcos and Logan. He had a supporting role in the OG, but also helped produce both films. This conversation and the huge steps these filmmakers had to take to get their project made, including spending an hour each way going in and out of prison security with all their gear every single day of production, should be an inspiration to anyone who has lofty goals for their independent films. Welcome to the No Film School podcast. Thank you. Hey. Can everybody start by introducing yourselves and your roles in the films? Sure. Uh, My name is Madeline Sackler. I'm the director of OG and It's a Hard Truth, Ain't It? Along with actually Hard Truth was also directed by 13 men who are currently incarcerated in Pendleton Correctional Facility in Indiana. My name is Wolfgang Held, and I'm the cameraman of also both OG and Hard Truth, or the part of Hard Truth that's not animated anyway, or shot by the inmates. And yeah, I've worked with Madeline on on now three films, four films. Uh, My name is Boyd Holbrook. Uh, I am an actor in OG, and uh, I helped uh, produce uh, um, OG and Hard Truth. So, so at No Film School, we talk about behind the scenes. You know, everybody wants to know how it was made. And I was so excited about this conversation because I think it's one of the most extraordinary behind the scenes stories yeah. I've heard. And I've heard a lot at this point. Well, Madeline didn't Thank go you. to film school, so. Hey, that's, what we, that's the only kind of guest we have on here. Um, so first, I'd just love for, for you to explain the relationship between the doc and the feature. And then we'll get into kind of the, the nuts and bolts. Sure. So um, when I first started going to the prison, so it's an active maximum security prison in Indiana, about an hour east of Indianapolis. It holds about 1,800 men, uh, most of whom have very, very long sentences. Um, And the goal was to shoot a fiction and a nonfiction film entirely within the walls of the prison. So you knew from the beginning you were doing both? I wanted to do both. I didn't know what the nonfiction film would be. So that evolved very sort of naturally in in an open-ended way over many, many years, actually, of going to the prison. Um, I ended up teaching a filmmaking workshop there, a documentary filmmaking class, Um, and it was so 
<clears throat> inspiring, really, for all of us to get to know each other and to work together and to talk about film and narrative techniques. And the men were just really excited about the idea of making their own movie. And that started about a year after developing OG. Um, and at that point, the prison approved us to shoot a completely independent documentary. But before that, um, Steve Belber, the screenwriter, uh, Wolfgang and I went to the prison uh, and did many, many, like dozens and dozens of hours of interviews with men there to figure out how to write the script for OG. So the connection between the film is that they're both in the same prison. <laughs> There's some men who we cast in OG who are directing their own story in Hard Truth. But other than that, the films are totally independent, like in a way... Um, I actually just watched them for the first time back to back just like six or seven weeks ago. And it was really, I mean, even for me, like I had spent, you know, dozens of hours a day on both, <laughs> on both films, sometimes flipping between the two of them. But to see them both back to back was really engaging because you finish watching OG and you're so immersed in this character that Jeffrey... So Jeffrey Wright plays the lead, and he's a man who's getting ready to leave prison. And you're really with him, I think. You really get to know him and the struggle around being at the eve of his release from prison. Um, and then you can go watch the documentary, and in a sense, you can find out where his character came from, because the men in the prison are talking about their path to prison. So I've started thinking about it kind of like a nonfiction prequel to OG, um, which I don't know. It's a different type of experience, I think. Well, I saw, I did see it the other way around. So I saw the doc first and then the feature. And it felt, you know, the, it enriched the experience of the feature for me, having all these, you know, other stories that I knew were real you know, beforehand. So, yeah. Very, That's yeah, great. That's yeah, great. So then, so now we know there's, there are these two films. And just generally, how did the timelines work between the two of them? I think Jeffrey's schedule pushed and you happily had time to teach this course, right? That's what happened? Yeah, we shot, so we shot them sort of um, interchangeably. So we did lots of research interviews for OG, and then we started workshopping the script with the men in the prison. So Steve and I would take the script, and the prison set us up with rotating rooms of between 5 and 25 men, and we would read excerpts of the script, and full, we did multiple full table readings, eventually with Jeffrey as well, and kept recrafting the script sort of again and again and again from the perspective and feedback that we got from the men in the prison. And then as we were continuing to work on that script, I went back to teach the, the documentary filmmaking class. So I ended up, we did like two shoots for the documentary. Wolfgang came to the second one um, before shooting OG, and we went back for the third shoot of the documentary after that before eventually we got locked out of the prison and we weren't able to go back. So that was the culmination of our <laughs> several years of shooting in this particular prison. That made some decisions for you, I guess. Yes, yeah. it does. Wow. Um, and then the process of actually, I mean, there are a lot of prison films out there. And what you always hear is how impossible it is to shoot in a prison. And here you shot over multiple years, two films. How did you convince them? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because there are a lot of prison films. Um, it's almost become a genre. But this is actually a real prison film. Um, and I think with Wolfgang and Madeline's um, 
intention is to give the most realistic experience of what it's like to be in a prison. I mean, we're working with 95% of the cast are incarcerated men who, you know, the editor is saying, who's who? I mean, is this guy professional or not? Um, so there have been a lot, and I think this is in a different category just because of what you mentioned a second ago is the time it takes to do this, the interchanging of it all, going into the prison every day, Wolfgang loading his camera equipment every single day and checking it out every single day. Nothing's left behind. Nothing's non-accountable. You know, not accountable. Almost nothing left behind. <laughs> Just a bit of uh, blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it's, um, and that's why I say it's, a, it's in, a, in my opinion, uh, in a different category. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and so how did you make it so? How did you make it possible? Well, I mean, so neither of these movies would have been possible without the prison, like the administration, but also the men in the prison being really engaged in the process. Um, so, you know, you think about access in terms of being granted uh, from the administration, which is true. And we were extremely fortunate to have met people who agree with um, the need for stories from prison to reach the outside world. Like, it never happens, you know, like these walls, I feel, are as much to keep us out oftentimes as it is to keep people inside. And we just were very lucky to meet people in the administration who recognized the need to tell human stories, true human stories about life inside. So they didn't censor me at all. Like, they didn't censor the corrupt guard. They didn't censor weapons being smuggled in, stories of gangs, like everything you see in OG is real, like Boyd is saying. So what we all really work to do, um, and Wolfgang and I talked about this a lot, as well as me and Steve and Jeffrey and everyone, was to really just disregard this idea of a prison film and make a film <laughs> about a man <laughs> that Jeffrey plays. Um, that happens to live in this environment and build it up, you know, build it out from there. Um, so there's the administration and then also the men in the prison. And they just really agreed and, and wanted to participate in that goal. Like many of the men that I met the first time we went there told me that they never saw a film or a television show that they felt was really reflective of their experience. Um, which I think is really frustrating because there's so many of them. Like, there's so much prison content out there, and imagine how that would feel if you're actually going through the experience of being in prison and your experience is being reduced to, like, eight or ten tropes that you're seeing again and again and again, which aren't actually re representative of how you're feeling inside. So that's what we really set out to do was, like, how can we explore the, the true experience and feelings of this one particular character and all of the shooting came down to that like what we would tell ourselves you know again and again and again okay but what would Lewis be feeling in this moment not the guards not the gang leaders not the people in the watchtower like what's he feeling in that moment and that was the the core of the film and we knew we couldn't reflect everyone's experience I mean there's 2.2 million people in prison so we're not saying that this is what it's like for everyone but we really worked really really hard to excavate you know what it what it would feel like for this person and that could only have happened with the men in the prison so you know we talked to lots of men who were getting ready to leave you know and one man was developing ulcers and getting quite ill because of this like very anxious anticipation of his 
um, release date approaching. Everybody talked about lack of preparedness, uh, not knowing what it's like outside. I mean, you heard people talking about how damaging it is to live inside a walled-off prison as opposed to one with fences where your eyes just physically can't see past the wall. And one man described it to me as walking when he left for a court date one time being seasick because his eyes, like literally the nerves, you know, in your brain get reformed and he couldn't see the same distance. Yeah, he couldn't see into the horizon. So there's all of these things that we just never thought about that informed everything about the movie. And then for the documentary, I just left it to them. So they're making all of the choices themselves. Yeah, I filmed in in prisons before on documentaries and there was never anything like this because generally what happens, you you come in and you see the inmates for brief moments as the other. You do an interview, you set it up, you go in and out and then these films get cut together with some outtakes that they find from some security camera that always finds these intense stabbing with a pencil. There's always like the shank that was used and there's, there's all these sort of dramatized version of what life in prisoners life. And while the violence exists there and is a big part of it, it's by far not everything. It's, it's, it's a small percentage of the everyday life. So there's some scenes in OG that I actually really love, which is which is when, when Lewis makes the cell his home. Mm-hmm. You see him making the food and the specificness of why he doesn't want to go to chow, he doesn't want to go to eat in the, in the, with, with the other inmates. So he is very specific. He has a few paraphernalia and they become very dear to him and how he organizes them and how he makes the food. And, and Jeffrey was very specific and took his time and very meticulous and he would do the same thing almost every day. To re- And that's a big part of what that existence is like. And I think to capture that in a way that's still cinematic was, was really amazing. Actually, to that point, and, and to Madeline, to what you were saying about that sort of anxiety, there's like the obvious anxiety of just being in prison and maybe you could get hurt or whatever. And then there's this like, or what I took away from, from your films, this sort of constant low-level anxiety. And I felt like that was also reflected a lot in the framing of the shots. And I'm wondering what kind of things you... you conscientiously thought about and did to make the viewer feel that um, that tension without it being the uh, yeah someone's running at you with a shiv tension so OG is actually very shot listed which um, surprise yeah and has a lot of very graphic and cinematic um, shots and has different coverage for different scenes so it's, it's actually very thought out so Madeline and I would spend a lot of time and we knew the prison quite well from our documentary shoots and I think it was always important, as Madeline was saying, that we're very subjective, that we follow Jeffrey's point of view, both visually and in the story, that we really are with him in this, in this, in this prison. So a lot of the shots, we actually go with him physically with a, with a movie, with a Steadicam device, and actually follow him through the prison, through the life sea of prisoners, often lines that go from Chow, and we're planting seats in the lines as they're moving and, and trying to get the dialogue scenes shot out while we actually have walk in with a large group of incarcerated men. Yeah, I mean, so I was saying earlier that um, Wolfgang and I would talk about this challenge, I guess, of shooting in a constricted space. So the cell is, what is it, do you think, like eight by ten or something? six by nine? It's really, like, you can it's basically like a sheet touch. Of drywall. It's I have a no barely sense bigger of than a sheet of drywall. Yeah, I think so when you're stretching out your arms in the, the smaller direction you can pretty much touch both walls 
Um, yeah. And we wanted to be very, very careful with the shots where we look into the cell. We wanted to be in the cell as much as possible, which is another challenge. And it's a real cell. You can't move any walls or you put holes in there to put the right. camera in there. Studio set. Yeah. Yeah. There were not going to be any, like, dolly shots in the, in the cell. But well, I guess in a way that, that adds to that tension because you just don't have the room. I mean, yeah. as a viewer, you, yeah. I don't, you're not thinking, where'd they put the camera? But you're thinking, oh, I feel constricted. Yeah. yeah, you're just with Jeffrey the, the whole movie. Um, he encounters a young man in the prison. Um, the character's name is Beecher. He's played by a man named Theodos Carter, who's an incredible actor. He's incarcerated now in the prison. I met him when we did an open casting call in the prison, and he completely blew us away. We actually rewrote the role for him to be able to play the character of Beecher. Um, and so with very few exceptions, we're with Jeffrey's character and a little bit with Beecher in the movie. Um, but I do think that that, like, the sort of restrictions that we gave ourselves and that the prison imposed upon us by its structure and by the rules of logistics of shooting there are in a way the reason that the movie is I think more specific um, because you really do just stay with him and our challenge was how do we bring that to life in an engaging way and we would of course we can't do that without Jeffrey Wright I mean he's just incredible in this movie and I think he does something that nobody's ever really done before and so to get that, to see that unfolding, you know, over the course of the film creates its own level of engagement and drama, I think. Well, Boyd as an actor, I mean, his performance, Jeffrey's performance was so incredible. What, do you, what did you sort of learn from him or, or take away from what he was doing? Well, I think, you know, in sort of, you know, being an actor, First of all, you have to be fat enough, skinny enough, um, dark enough, light enough uh, to get the role and to win the role. Um, and I'm not surprised that Jeffrey is getting Oscar buzz for this part because everything is so impossibly worked perfectly in unison. Like Madeline and Wolfgang are saying, if something goes wrong, if you know the confines of the prison uh, make it impossible and laborious to shoot, then you can't capture that great performance that Jeffrey's given. So everything is worked out in synchronicity. Um, and to, you know, for me, just to, to be able to work with uh, the experienced, talented, um, passionate person like Jeffrey is, uh, it makes me grow as an artist. So I'm, you know, simply happy to be there. Uh, and to you know also put on some good work and hopefully um, so it's it's really interesting to um, I guess be so immersed in the process to know how difficult it is to happen and then to be so proud uh, to see that it's that it's it's being received as it is now I mean I think one of the things I'm just lis listening and sort of remembering some of the things that were so inspiring during the shoot is like I just got very lucky because I was surrounded by people who were as engaged with and inspired by the truth as possible. I mean, you know, Wolfgang and I come from a documentary filmmaking background and Wolfgang has shot some of the most extraordinary and beautiful <laughs> documentaries ever, which was why I called him <laughs> many years ago. Um, and, uh, 
And so that commitment, you know, along with Steve Belber, who really, like, in my mind, he really created um, almost like an investigative screenplay. It was like there was like this investigative process to the whole, um, to each part of making this film, OG, in, you know, in particular. And then this actually happened with the documentary as well. Like, we just stayed very, very open-minded on the create in terms of the creative process because we never knew what was going to happen. And so I was lucky that you know Wolfgang and Jeffrey and Steve and Boyd, we were all just wanting to do right by the stories of the men in the prison, which meant that everybody was just open the whole time. And so the pictures that you know Wolfgang was able to capture with our very, very, very planned out shoot you know we're always it was like he was always seeing the little elements of truth that we would kind of find on in the moment so we did you know I think we did our best to sort of like extract those things yeah no I was thinking going back to Jeffrey just seeing him putting on the browns the the prison inmate uniforms or whatever you want to call them When when he went into the browns his gait changed the cadence of his language changed his uh Everything about him changed, and and he was in constant communication with with the other inmates, uh, especially the black inmates and uh, the real inmates. The real inmates, and he, they all knew him. He had a relationship with them. At the when they were skyped in the other day, they were all excited to talk to him. There was a relationship that was formed, and it was very hard for him because he felt very deeply. I think for him, and I think it was very hard for him to figure out where the boundaries are because mm-hmm. he went he went really deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to take, just speaking from an actor's perspective, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. Uh, and also, um, yeah, you know, that's it, a really a big challenge to take on. You're working with men that um, are not leaving these walls ever. So there's no Hollywood bullshit. There's no uh, faking anything with these guys. Um, not to, to intend that there was a, a hostile environment, uh, but you know, I think that was probably lending itself to just how real you have to be because, again, I'll go back and say this is a real prison film. There is no, um, you know, Wolfgang, Wolfgang can't move a wall to get a shot that he wants, uh, and I, I really think that's the again the synchronicity to make such a unique film. Actually, just reminded me. I don't think I told you this, Wolfgang, but um, this this thing of all of us being so inspired by the truth. Like Jeffrey actually said to me um, a few months ago, he's like, "Oh, I love Wolfgang. Like he walks into a white room with nothing in it. Maybe there's a chair, and he's like, "Oh, this is great. This is going to be so great." <laughs> Yeah, I know exactly. We got this. Our shot can, list is perfect. As long as I can turn off the lights, you yeah. know. We actually didn't light the movie. Um, we, yeah. had, we, we had we had like lights with light us, which yeah. we had no we had lights. we had a crew of three in the lighting department, and we moved lights around from location to location dutifully, but we never employed boards. them. Yeah. The only thing we used was bounce board, and then a couple of old fluorescent that I'd found in my basement that we right. taped up, and then Mike, Michael, the production designer, brought in a couple of little lights in the cell, and which ones we turned on and off would change the mood drastically because mm-hmm. there's so little light in there mm-hmm. unbelievable yeah i it mean this is an incredibly so beautiful film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah well it's so the, the prison was clearly very open like astonishingly 
open to what you needed to do, even though you didn't set things as you might have in a typical uh, narrative. But there still must have been a lot of like roadblocks or production things, like even more than on any production where things go in a way you didn't expect, like even something like a like a lockdown or like what kinds of things, what kind of roadblocks did you? You have to incorporate what, you know, an hour per day and maybe an hour getting out of going through security. Uh, Really minimal stuff that uh, is very time consuming. Um, You know, just with SAG, there's, you know, 12 hour work days that you have to meet. And if not, you got to call it. So, uh, we could, I think you could write a novel on how many (laughs) no cell phones no cigarettes no money no money and Uh, it's like going into the high intensity airport every morning where every piece that you have on you gets scrutinized every pencil everything could become a weapon you can't take anything in so you're going to a full check each morning and when you go out you have to make sure you bring the stuff out that you bring in i just i think it's like worth noting that nothing happened and if you think about it, nothing. There's nothing dangerous. There's nothing smuggled. There's nobody um, that was threatened. There was no. I mean, and we, you know, this isn't to say that it's not a scary environment. In many respects, it's extremely tense being inside a prison, and it, you know, you're walking through the cell house and you're walking past. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of men in cages. That's a very strange experience to be having. And you're an outsider and you're coming in. It's very real, you know. Um, but at the same time, we worked with about 150 men. Many days it would be the crew and 100 guys just roaming around the yard or the gym or the chow hall, you know, waiting to shoot for an entire, you know, day. Um, And that's 150 men in a random prison, you know, in a random state in our country. So think about that. Like, think about the number of people who are sitting in cages right now who could be participating in something like this. Um, and they just, they, you know, we all treated it like a job. We were there to do a job together, to inspire each other, to collaborate, to tell a true, real story, to get it outside of the prison walls. Um, and I just, that to me, that was one of the most moving parts of the experience is we weren't cherry picking people. The prison gave us access to 150 guys. And I believe very strongly that you could go do this anywhere. And the inmates that were part of it, their eyes lit up. They were so excited about to do something to be part of the crew um it was really extraordinary to see how how they just this is they've never experienced anything like that they didn't know anything about the other side of the camera and uh, the actors were just really hungry to learn to learn the lights there's there's show fighting they had to learn which is a whole new experience for for a big scene and there were just there was a whole buzz in, in the prison that was incredible that I think was very positive and I think even the guards sort of recognized that. You know. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the you know, Madeline. You can talk about this too, but one of the access points is that in the intentions of, of making this film is that uh, you know a lot of people have statistics on how many people are in prison. Um, you know, prison is meant to be a rehabilitative state. Is uh, it? Well, that's what we're exploring. That's the choice. Yeah, and I think a lot of these guys have, you know, nothing to do. So, 
you know, of course they've been tried, you know, tried by jury of peers and convicted for their crime, and they're going to serve that out. Fair enough, they're going to do that. But you really can't just stick a, a body in a cell, and and they just sit there and rot away. So these men were very happy to have the chance to do something in, in, a, in a sort of inverted way they can relive and come to terms and speak about what they've done and, and hopefully better themselves. I think that's really the heart of this, this film and why it is so unique. Well, I'm curious more about how the collaboration part with them actually functioned. Like, you clearly didn't just walk in and say, okay, you over there and you over there. Mm-hmm. And there were these various levels on the dock where there are co-directors and then in the feature, some are actors, some are pr- principal actors, and some are extras. How, and how some did are crew, all... actually. Some helped us also oh, as crew. Cool. Yeah. It's so cool. So how did that all kind of function, and how did you determine who you're going to work with more closely? So the prison gave me access to that list of about 150 men. Um, this is for OG, um, and once the um, schedule had been finalized. So at that point, they sort of, there was like a cutoff point. They said, whoever wants to be able to apply to participate in this project, let us know. And then we worked, uh, um, well, the prison worked closely with the victims' rights division in Indianapolis, who reviewed every man to determine their eligibility to participate in the project. We did not do any of that vetting ourselves. and at that point, we did an open casting call. So we, I did my best to cast as many of the roles in the prison as possible with either men who are incarcerated there or guards or other staff that work in the prison. Um, and at that point, it was, very, it was like a very standard shoot with the exception of I went and did about four weeks of like improv classes and getting sort of getting to know the cast more intimately. Um, in advance of Jeffrey showing up for a week of rehearsals and especially working closely with Theotis, who played Beecher. And then we shot. We shot out the film. We shot. We had a five-week shoot, and that was it. Um, <laughs> for the documentary, it was similar. Men applied to participate in the workshop. Um, and there were 13 men who ultimately worked together to make their own film, and it was a process of you know figuring out how to go back and forth for shoots there were lots of letters that they would write I would send um uh like sketches of the characters there's a lot of animation in the film that's done by an incredible artist named Yanni Goodman who um did the animation for Waltz with Bashir uh so he would send like drafts of characters and I would be able to send it to the class to get their notes so so there was some like long distance collaborating that was happening um on both of the films um but yeah it was very much I mean you know when you're shooting two movies in a actual prison you're just very grateful to be there so when roadblocks come up my feeling was always like well yeah I mean we're shooting in a maximum security prison so like things are gonna happen okay we have 30 minutes instead of three hours to shoot like one of the major scenes in the movie like good thing we practiced improv you know like we were very prepared for sort of all eventualities I think yeah because it was a live prison I think 
for them, security comes first. You know, so that was always the thing that actually gave us a hostage training before the feature, which to us was strange because we'd spent so much time with the documentary, which was a much more smaller, intimate crew. And Madeline had spent so much time teaching the class there, so that group was pretty solid. Both the guards and and, and those inmates knew her very well, and, and then me and some of the small crew that came in when we did the feature. A lot more people came in every day. So everything had to be a bit more controlled. How we move from one location to another was had to we always radioed in. There were guards, you know, knowing when we're on the move from one location to another, and you can't go back for a bathroom break. You have to just like all move. So it's, it becomes actually very regulated for the movement. But once we're in a space, partly because of that relationship Madeline has built over the time with some of the inmates, and 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 partly because of the nature of the script, we had a lot of freedom once we're in a in a location to actually stage the scenes, film the scenes. Uh, turn on lights and off mostly and, and, and shoot the scenes. Well, this this could have been, in, by the way, we now have a soundtrack, listeners. I, yeah, I'm, the, the Boyd started playing piano. <laughs> um, but uh, this could have been an early question, but since you bring it up now, I mean, in every doc situation we talk about how do you build trust with your characters, especially if you're mm. from the outside. Right, yeah. I mean, this case is so extreme, you know, for those who don't, no, Madeline, she's from New York, she's a woman, she's she's white, um, and here she is in Indiana building trust with these, these gentlemen, some of whom are hardened criminals, have been in jail for 10, 20, 30 years, many men of color, yeah. Wolfgang is from abroad, and, you know, big white guy, boy's a white guy, you know. Still. <laughs> still, still, and possibly always. So how did that I mean, how in the world did you get this incredible amount of trust? I just, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say that making, uh, getting 30 people to do one continuous act is really like artistry. And now we've all been speaking about the, the confines of this prison. I kind of would like that to sink in because it's, it's incredibly poss- impossible, but is possible in this film and building that trust is um is really about why this movie's made it's humane it's it's getting people to do something together and that that if one person does not agree with that then it starts to fraction out and sub compartmentalize and and go off the tracks like on any set like yeah. on any set on any set i've been on i've been on 100 million dollar movies to 1 million dollar movies and it's the same thing um and i'm sorry i just wanted to say that because it is really a a, a feat well yeah i think to your point it's yeah. a feat no matter what and then this is sort of an exaggerated case <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't I feel like I had a little bit of an advantage maybe because of having made documentaries before. I mean, my interest in going to the prison was to listen. You know, I didn't ha- I didn't go with preconceived notions. The reason I wanted to make the film came from, you know, a personal experience where um I the first time I had gone to a prison was with Wolfgang actually for a, f- a documentary that we made together and we went to the prison with a very young boy who was visiting his dad there and he threw off his shoes and and his jacket and ran through the uh, security gates and waved at all the guards you know he knew exactly what to do this is how he got to see his dad 
Um, when the phone rang at home and they saw the caller ID from the prison, he would run to grab it, you know, to make sure that it didn't go into the voicemail. And so I had seen the effect of incarceration on kids um, and families. And his father would be getting out of prison in his 50s, as Jeffrey's character is. And I just felt like that was something we never saw before. Um, but it's also something that, it, you know, uh, I've never experienced. So when I started going to the prison, I was just trying to listen to understand what that would feel like. Um, I felt like all of us have had times in our lives where we've been in circumstances where we're unable to be vulnerable, where we can't actually express ourselves. Um, the world is not a particularly friendly place when it comes to people's emotional experiences, at least that's what I've noticed. Um, and so that like human connection was really real for me, um, which isn't to say that it's my story at all, um, but it is a story that I think we can all relate to in one way or another. And so anyway, I think that that's like going to the prison to listen and to ask people like, do you want to tell this story and how do we do it created this environment where we were all doing it together. Um, yeah. And if you see the documentary, I mean, a lot of the part of the documentary is the, that, that relationship is sort of in the documentary, at least to a certain part, you see them participating in the film. And I think that's a big part of it that we, you know, no matter whether what, what skin color we had, we worked on the same project after a while, or we, at least we found out what that project is for the documentary. And I think Madeline had like maybe a very um, sort of initial idea of what the feature would be, but she was very open to, with Stephen, listen to um, getting the language right. I mean, he did incredible dialogue, I think, uh, Stephen, uh, on this on this film when, when you watch it. Let me it. breathe on you for yeah. a second. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. Let the peace be still. <laughs> Well, we would rewrite the dialogue with the men who are cast often on the day. Mm -hmm. um, so when we were rehearsing with Jeffrey, we would, you know, the men would swap out turns of phrases and things like this to make it really their own. Um, so it became very ingrained in this place, which is it cool. It goes back to that open-mindedness that you sort of had to have, yeah. which actually brings us to a great rounding out um, question. So we always ask about advice, and I think in this situation... You know, I'm not going to say, so if you want to make a film in a prison with 150 inmates, because that's a quite unique situation, but I Do think, it. <laughs> I think you, might have, you might have started a whole wave. Um, Reality but, movies, uh, if you want to call it. I think what, well, it's an interesting moment, actually, for this docu-hybrid, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, I do think what's what's very relevant about what you did to any filmmakers is, is that anyone has to sort of be able to pivot on set or be responsive, even if it's a narrative, uh, be responsive to circumstances. And because you really had to be like keenly aware of that in this film, I'm curious about advice for any any set about you know preparing yourself to be resilient, to be responsive when things come up. Well, my one. Uh, there's so many things but one thing is to be in the moment which is so hard when you're shooting to be actually be there um you have the shot list you do the thing you go into a cell and oh it's all white walls what i do here right but you're in the moment and you have to see what's there at the moment what 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 are the actors doing what is the light doing for me and 
and seeing that in the moment is actually incredibly hard because it becomes such a machinery and there's so many schedules and pressures on the film. The schedule, if you don't stay in the moment, in the moment while you're making the film, you're gonna lose it. You're you miss go the moment. You, yeah. you just check off a che- checklist and, and 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 you get the shots, but you don't get, you get blase. Uh, depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. <laughs> it's really hard to do, actually. I don't, someone asked me this yesterday, like what advice I would give. I'm, I don't, I don't know because I feel like you just have to do it. I mean, for me, like what I love about, what I loved about making both of these movies was the the open minded part of it. So not being constrained by previous films or, you know, structural rules or things like that, um, and problem solving. You know, like having this dream to make this movie in this certain way with a unique like feel, like style and tone and character. Um, and then to just like figure out how to do it, like at each of the different points. So it's hard to f- translate that into advice. I think it just depends on what your dream is, you know, and then breaking it down into discernible steps that you can start tackling one at a time. Like for me, I'd never worked with actors, so... You know, I went and met with lots of acting coaches. I even took a few acting classes, which was like my worst nightmare, you know. Um, But that's, I guess, like a piece of that advice. Like you have to figure out, like you have to be honest about your weaknesses, honest about your strengths, and then tackle each of them with, you know, an open heart. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, just to kind of reiterate what you guys have said, it's um, I think going with the flow and... You got to, if you got a plan, um, you know, throw it out the window because really what Wolfgang was saying is like being in the moment, you have to ride that wave. You have to jump on that because if you're going to try to go against that grain, then that's a whole, uh, you know, energy that you're ex- exerting to, uh, to try to, you know, I, I got to get this right. It's, this is the way I planned it. Uh, we only got two hours. This is what I thought. Well, life's, you know, it doesn't go that way. Why don't you just go with, you know, you, it's really, it's a really hard thing to do because we're so structured to, to be, um, you know, successful and to do it right. And there's money on the line and there's people's time, you know, it's a lot of things, but yeah, you really have to jump the wave get on the wave you know one thing that I did actually that I'll probably do before every film that I make is I watched tons of directors commentary Mm. um I just I you know which means you have to buy DVDs and Blu-rays which is weird but or just listen (laughs) to the no film school podcast yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um but there is something about it like going way back like I watched a bunch of Altman and a bunch of Bergman and you know and you realize immediately when you do that that everybody does it their own way which is a huge relief which is why it's so hard to give advice but that is huge like that helps you stay open I think when you hear from other people on the technical side as a cameraman one thing that's really important to me is uh, well to be prepared even though you want to be in the moment you want to do the shot list before and have thought it through and then forget about it it's this yin yang thing where you you do the work before and then at the moment so if you almost internalize and you don't even look at the shot list but, but so from the camera point of view, I think it's really important to just keep things very simple, to have a simplicity about the shooting. So I shot most of the movie with one lens. 
with one f-stop, with one color temperature, never changed, but we night and day, so the nights got very warm and the days got very cold. Um, I like very simple conceptual ideas that, if they make sense for the film, that really help you to stay sort of true, to, to create your own vision of, of something. So it's not just like, oh, we have all these choices. Uh, to take away some choices sometimes is really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is it, the kiss factor? Keep it simple, stupid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. It's already hard enough, right? I didn't know all that. That's great. I think that's a great note to end on, the kiss factor. And um, I'm, I'm so excited for both films and to see what happens next. And thank you so much for your time. Thank, you. thank you. Thanks so Thanks. much for having us. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you liked this conversation, come back for a new conversation every Monday. And on Thursdays, don't miss our Indie Film Weekly News show that fills you in on everything you might have missed when you were busy making films. You can get any of these by searching for the No Film School podcast in iTunes or your favorite app. Also be sure to visit nofilmschool.com for useful new filmmaking articles every single day. Meanwhile, stay in touch. You can reach me on Twitter at LizFilm, and we are on Twitter at NoFilmSchool. See you on Thursday.